It does. They want to, first of all, the government has an incentive to tax people less. That's why, that's why Trump did the 2017 tax guys, because he is pleasing his base. That are, he's pleasing mo- many, probably, yeah, most Americans want to pay less taxes. But that's because they hate whatever the fuck their taxes are going to currently, like bombing children in Somalia and shit, or in Yemen. People, people don't have a problem, most people don't have a problem with the idea of taxation. They have a problem with their high taxes going to shit that they don't like. Yeah, but I agree so, with that. So, so that's a... So listen, so our, so our representatives, Congress has an incentive to lower costs, to lower taxation, to keep people happy. That is the most common uh, political promise, and, and it's not an empty one either. I'll keep your taxes low. Okay, vote for him. That's, there's there's tens of millions of people in this country that vote yes. for people just because they say that. Yes, it, costs. I would say that that's a different. It, so after this, I want to move on to a different uh, point. But how long are we gonna go this? Go on this. We've been, uh, we've been for, this is an hour and a half. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good until one do one thirty. Uh yeah we'll we'll yeah we'll just uh yeah whatever happens happens but anyway so but I do want to wrap up this point so um my goodness what so what was your last uh what were you just saying. My point is that, yes, theoretically, your system would work. But oh. even theoretically then, your system, it would still cost more in the end. When, so, if you look at the system I'm calling for, other countries have it. It is cheaper, and it works. There's empirical data to show that this works. It's not just theory. It's like what you're saying is theory. And I understand that, yes, it can play out. But even theoretically, yours would cost more and mine would cost less. But empirically, my system costs less and actually works we can look at all of europe much of asia it costs less (laughs) so what you were saying about france has essentially the system that i want okay so you were saying about how uh i I would differentiate the two points that you're making earlier about uh a, a potential presidential candidate promising lower taxes and some whatever and then somehow that translates into the Medicare for all organization trying to lower the amount of lower their costs. No government programs. And this is verifiable and provable government programs either stay the same or they always expand because if they don't, they're going to lose funding. If there's no reason for them to be there, then they're going to lose funding. No government program ever wants to lose funding. So why would they, why would they try to cut costs and make things cheaper? There's just, there's no incentive. Like, look at the USD. So you, you can make it a legal incentive. Make it so that the person who is the head of, I don't know how Medicare already is administrated. Make it so that legally the person who is the head of Medicare, the program, whatever it is, the Department of Health, they are legally obligated to try to to try to uh, bargain for people to lower, to lower costs. So that yeah. is one way that you could absolutely do it. But not only that... Well, only that because I can't remember the other point that I was gonna make. <laughs> okay, so you were you were talking about uh, how my system of 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 healthcare is unproven, and your system of healthcare is proven and has been successful in other countries. What I would say is that my system has been proven by pretty much all of human history except for the last twenty years. Okay, there was no, and especially in the last like century. It was all private insurance. There really wasn't a, a viable government option. So it, 
People were right. fine. People were fine before that. And it was very cheap, by well, the way. Well, there are probably people who didn't have health insurance and died. No, but, no, but they didn't die because <laughs> they're, the doctors are required to help, to help that person. Yeah, you're going to get a bill, but at least the bill was extremely cheap in, in the 50s and 60s. Now it's like, oh, my God, like now my, my little bill is ridiculous. And by the way, there's already a government uh, uh, safety net. For those people. So, so first of all, if you're poor, you're not paying your own medical bills, okay? And, and so, uh, so that, that, that safety net's already there. But also, uh, if you're saying that free market principles are, is a theory and has never been successful, I mean, that's just not true. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't say that. Well, you're it's saying, in, but in the medical, but in, but in healthcare... First of all, it has been proven to be true, but but in every industry, that's, that's not true either because healthcare didn't like exist until the fifties, sixties, and seventies. No, like, it if it you did. Cancer in nineteen seventy, you're dead. If you get cancer in twenty twenty, you're probably you you may or may not live, but you're also going to get a but, million dollar bill. But what improved? What mechanism improved cancer treatment? It wasn't the government mandating someone find me a cure for cancer. No. It was economic Actually, incentive. Yeah, it was there economic. Was technologies that were discovered through government programs that that yes actually put that actually helped. Yeah. Yeah, but the, reason, but the reason, but the reason, but the reason cancer programs. treatment, but the reason cancer treatment has become so successful is because there's a massive economic payoff at the end. It's not because the government said you have to make this to these specific standards and you're not you have to give it away for free or you're only allowed to charge this much. That's not what happened. They said there might've been government programs, but they didn't put all these restrictions on it. They said, build this and you'll be rewarded with a shit ton of money. And that's, that's how innovation happens. I mean, this is so, and so anyway, I I think to say that free market principles, all, all the things that you're saying would still happen in Medicare for all system. Except for what sorts of innovations would happen in health insurance? That's my question to you. But not if it's fr- not if it's free, and and not if there's a government yeah, price control sure. being if there's a government price control being set, then you're capping the incentive that someone has to innovate medical technology. That I mean, that's just a fact. I, <laughs> I don't I, I don't know exactly what price control you're talking about. It's probably on like life saving drugs, like insulin and stuff. Well, so I, I don't know the specifics about that, but I mean, ideally, the single payer system—they could, being the single payer, they would have all the negotiating power, and they could uh, with no incentive to negotiate. But anyway, okay, let's so let's move on. Okay, so I wanted to get to this. I wanted to get to this really uh, interesting point about your life. So, <laughs> so I didn't tell you we were going to talk about this, but I decided to talk about it. So. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but you were actually a Scientologist back oh, in the day. Jesus, I knew this <laughs> so tell us about. Okay, we're posting this online, aren't we? <laughs> okay, yeah, tell us. Tell us about your like. What happened? Like, how did you get into Scientology to start with? That is a good question. Okay, so my best friend in middle school—I'm going to leave him unnamed—but his family, his whole family, is Scientologists. And uh, he was my best friend from like seventh grade to like ninth grade, um, and it kind of ended there because I had I moved to another state. I moved to I moved to Utah, and um, well, well, when I left, uh, his mother gave me a book. It was like I just thought Scientology gets you first of all. It's all the introductory stuff is like self help. Yeah. 
which as, as a 13-year-old, I was like, Jesus Christ, I can use all the help I need, <laughs> like all the help I could get. And um, right. so I was just like this little, this little book that like asks you about like... How old were you again when, when you moved to Utah? This is ninth grade, ninth grade. Okay. It's like 15. Yeah, like, God, yeah I, was, I was in ninth grade. I was, in, I was a freshman in high school. When I moved to Utah, the school district I lived in, ninth grade was in middle school. Okay. So I literally had to go back to middle school. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That That's so crazy. Was horrific. That's literally I like to a freshman to going back to with sixth graders and shit. That's literally like my nightmare. Like I've had nightmares about going back to high school. <laughs> for real, for real. And um, but while I was there, I had this. You know, in middle school, you have to do, or in school in general, you have like dedicated reading time or whatever. And uh, during this time, I'd look through this book, and it, like, asked me questions about my life, and it's, like, soft philosophy, like, oh, how do you feel about, like, your future, or what did this thing mean? It's self-reflection. And as I was feeling it, I was like, man, this is what Scientology is? This is the shit. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm learning a lot about myself. <laughs> and then uh, I moved back to Colorado, and I reconnected with him and all this. And one time I went, I was at his house, and, and we, you know, we chatted about it or whatever. One time I was at his house, and I spent the night... And uh, he was like, we wake up in the morning at like seven o'clock and his mom was like, all right, you have to go home. We're going to church. And I was like, why don't I just go with you? <laughs> and they're like, oh, hell yeah, you can come with. They were all kinds of excited. <laughs> so I went with them and it was more self-help stuff. Like, were they, were they like, uh, were they like, yeah, you can come for 50 bucks. <laughs> you know what? I never paid a single dollar. Okay. But, yeah. but they did. They paid for me. Really? Um, Wait, they had yeah. to pay to let you in the building? Are you? No, 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 no. But uh, you could walk in the building all you want and okay. walk around the lobby. Yeah. The merchant, the merch shop. But you couldn't like go back there for the service, of course, because you do have to pay for that. Really? You have to um, pay to go yeah, in the service? Yes, you do. Oh my gosh! But wow. It's okay. Maybe saying service is kind of loaded because when you go to a mission, because, okay. So in the Church of Scientology, they have orgs, organizations. Okay. And then they have missions. Orgs are like there's one org in Colorado, I believe. It's in Denver. It's next to the uh, Coors Field, the baseball okay. field. Yeah. And it's a huge. It's a huge building and all this, and that's where they have like big speakers and nice dinners and this is where like multi-millionaire uh you know Scientologists go and visit and give all these speeches and shit we went down there like once a month for like these big lectures and stuff but at the missions this is where you would go to church this is where they went to church on Saturdays um and you could go with there any day they just went there on Saturdays because you know that you know that's their day off and um but when you go there you walk in you walk into the lobby and there's a lobby and there's books. It looks like a bookstore, essentially. You can buy any of these books you see and you talk to the person. And that person was my best friend's sister who was working who was working the desk. Yeah. And uh, she's the one who paid everything because she got a discount. And she was like, well, she's known me for like three years at this point. So she's like, awesome, fantastic. Um, good to have you here. I'll cover all your books. And I got like, and I got, and I did a, and you do courses. You don't do you know, you don't do a Bible study or a Bible reading or whatever. You do a course. And I bought this this book in a pack, and it comes with – it's a workbook. So, so it's like a class it's, almost? It's, it's a class. Yeah. It, 
it's a class. I bought this book. It was like uh, how to be motivated or how to, you know, have self-confidence or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. And you go and you go back there and there is a person sitting at a desk in the front and there's a bunch of desks where all the students sit. And he's the proctor who just watches over everyone, makes sure no one talks, and mm-hmm. is dead silent. And everyone's just sitting there, probably 20 people in there, just sitting at desks and doing their uh, paperwork. You literally, you, you just read, you read like five pages, and then it has a quiz. It has huh. a quiz, and you answer it like, like, oh, if you meet someone who's anti, an anti-social personality or whatever, you know, this is how to talk to them. This how to how to do public speaking. How to stay on top of your work, not procrastinate. This thing, that thing. Hmm. And you fill out this quiz, and you tear it out. It, it's perforated. You tear it out. You walk up, and you do a um, I forgot what it's called, but you you know you do an oral quiz essentially where you talk to the proctor, um, and he'll put you through like scenarios. Yeah. And like, well, what if he does this? And you have like these little like. And, and they're teaching you how to like. They're teaching you how to like witness to people or recruit people or. No, at this point. They're no, just talking about life skills. How to how to be a better person? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And well, that's what I was learning. Well, this There's people in the back of the room that were reading straight Scientology shit. <laughs> so this so is like your people who are in, in their sixties behind me who are reading stuff like oh, and then your body thetans are released through. Dianetics and this and that. Oh like, my god! They're reading real shit, but I'm yeah. I'm an intro. I'm a you know I'm a. So I'm this a is your first. This is your first day, or this is just like yeah. still the beginning. In the beginning this is, stage. No, this is day one, but I, wow. think I did like three full courses, and a course took like we were there probably for like four hours. Or okay. Um, maybe yeah, three four hours, and we go grab some like lunch in between come back for another two hours or whatever it was yeah and you do that two or three times then you finish your course packet oh and every, when you finish it he's like congratulations you finished and then he announces to the class matthew has finished his his coursework everyone <laughs> I mean, and everyone stands up and applauds <laughs> oh my god it's fucking cool it's a cult man yeah so so what was like the first thing that you noticed were like huh that's kind of weird. Oh, yeah, I can tell you that. Okay, so <laughs> the first time, so that was all chill, and I think that I learned some very valuable information. And Scientologists are like, they, they've done most of this coursework, too, so they are all, like, very upstanding, like, very direct, very confident, respectful people who they know what they want and they do it. Like, these are all admirable traits. Yeah. But once you do some of these things, they're going to recommend that you read Dianetics, which is a pseudoscience textbook, essentially, about how our souls are, you know, the, they literally, this is something that they believe. This is one of the things that set me off, um, but it wasn't the first thing. One of the things that they believe is that all disease, all, all disease, not just psychological disease, but the cold, the flu, that's caused by psychosomatic trauma uh, from hmm. from the past all the way going back to when you were in the womb, and then wow, all the way back in prior lives. <laughs> okay, like reincarnated. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The Scientologists believe in reincarnation. Huh. They believe that you are. A I didn't thing know that. That you are, yes, that you have your own soul. You're an alien soul. This is something that they don't teach you until you've been in, until you're OT 13. They have a whole rank. I don't 
don't know if you've ever seen the chart. They have a whole ranking chart of um, of all these things. But OT thirteen is when you uh, learn about Xenu and all that sort of shit. So hmm. yeah, Xenu from like South Park. That's real. <laughs> the intergalactic overlord Xenu. No bullshit. That's real. Wow. Uh, you don't learn about that until you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally. Wow. And you've been in the church for probably 20, 30 years. Or you could just and, uh, watch a YouTube video and find it out for free. That's, that's against the rules. <laughs> you can't watch YouTube? No. no, they said if you learn, they say, they say if you learn, um, first of all, they told me don't, don't look online for Scientology stuff. That's all, that's all stuff created by antisocial personalities. That's what they'd say. People so antisocial is like a Gentile. That's like you're you're not part of the group. So antisocial is like the epitome of like evil and yes, they they are the cause of all evil actually. Really, in Dianetics, he doesn't say it directly, but he says in the future we will live in a world without them. Wow, that is so crazy. Like directly calls for genocide. He doesn't say like oh yes we will murder them all we will cleanse the earth of them. He says in the future they will all have been removed. Wow, because they are the cause of all Hitler. Yeah, he was just an antisocial personality. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, then you learn. But if you learn about Zeno and the OT thirteen brief before your OT stands for operating thing. Okay. Operating thing. That means that you've you've become clear. You've done enough Dianetics, which is a t- it's essentially just talk therapy, but with a, a magic little. You know, you've seen the tin cans, right? That you hold on to. Right. Are they actually measuring like heart rate, or are they measuring anything? <laughs> Uh, uh, your electrostatic charge, essentially. But and is it? Pressure. So if you squeeze it, it moves it, and, uh, yeah. Okay, so it is measuring. If something traumatic, you might squeeze it, and it'll move the meter a little. Yeah. But they, they do talk therapy. And through talk therapy, you get, um, you've cleared your mind of all these psycho, all these traumatic events in your past. And you, you and now you're ready to be your true inner thing. Wow. Your, your, your alien soul that's within you in this carcass and that you're, you know, manipulating. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's a, it sounds like you're saying yeah. Satan with a lisp. <laughs> Satan. Yeah. 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 Uh, exactly. Satan is within you. Yeah. But, um, Christians would go crazy over that. You're an operating thing is when you've taken control of your body truly your, and your soul and now you raise goes through the rank of OT1 to 13. And once you've hit OT13, you can learn about Xenu, learn about the true origins of these things. Huh. Um, wow. And, but if you learn about it before then, you can't be a Scientologist. You have eternally oh. damned your soul. So, and you will be excised from the church. So watching a YouTube video for free, you've just, you've just damned your soul forever. Yep, you forfeited it. I don't know about forever, but definitely this lifetime, yeah. But maybe if you pay enough money, you could get back in the good graces of the church or something. <laughs> likely. 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 So, Not uh, probably. It might be like, yeah, maybe if you work up, maybe if you disavow what you had seen. Yeah. Maybe. So, so what finally, like, was there a straw that broke the camel's back or was it just like gradually like, nah, I'm not really into this anymore? Or was it like, or did you see something where you were just like, oh my God, what am I doing? (laughs) So I started reading Dianetics. Okay, so yes, the one thing is I started reading Dianetics, which is like the base work. It's like the Bible. Yeah, L. Ron Hubbard, who is the founder of Scientology, 
he holds the world record for the most books ever written. Hmm. In his lifetime, he wrote like 2,400 books. Yeah. Um, he was a science fiction writer. Yeah, right. And he created a religion <laughs> about aliens. Oh, big surprise there! <laughs> and, uh, and, and he was also he was also quoted as saying that the best way to make money would be to create a fake religion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He did say that. He yeah. did say that. And um, but no, it's antisocial personalities that spread propaganda against the church. So don't believe that. Okay. But <laughs> I was reading. Yeah, so I was reading Dianetics, which is like the. It's like the Bible, sure. And then everything else builds on top of that. There's hundreds of other books that you'll read. Yeah. There's a whole lot of shit that you can read so you keep giving them money over time. Right. But as I was reading that, I saw shit like, oh, antisocial personalities will be, you know, wiped off the earth and so on and so forth. But one of the things that, like, really just, oh, I just remembered, and it's connected. Okay. I haven't talked about the org yet. So (laughs) when you go to an org... I go into, I go into it, and we had, like, this fancy dinner, and, like, the head of the church was there, not the head of the Church of Scientology, but that org was there, the director or whatever, and they were all, like, super intimidating. I'm sitting there, you know how I dress, in a fucking bullshit-ass t-shirt and cargo <laughs> shorts, and, yeah, I'm sitting there, and he's in, like, a full suit, and we're eating, like, this fancy dinner. I'm were you the only one dressed, like, casually at all? Yeah. No, no, no. Other people were too, but most okay. people were dressed up. I didn't have dress clothes, so I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But, like, so I was, like, super just impressed by all of them, so that made me want to go in even more. Yeah. But, so then we finally went into, like, the chapel area where there's, you know, pews, essentially. It's actually just rows of seats. And then an, a podium at the front where the person would give their presentation. But in the corner... In, like, the back right of the room with a light spotlight on it is a bust, a big statue of L. Ron Hubbard himself. Okay. And at the end of the lecture, they were like, all right, give it up for LRH. And everyone stands up and turns toward the statue and claps and cheers. Oh, my God. And says, hurrah. I'm not even kidding. Oh, my goodness. Three cheers, like, shit like that. I was just like... To the statue. <laughs> Fuck. And I even looked at my friend, my best friend, and he was like, I hate this. This is so weird. And I was like, this is, this is something. Yeah. But the thing that real, okay, this is the thing. And it, it was um, not at that event, but another one a couple months in the future, probably like six months in the future. I was a Scientologist for almost three years. And, um, wow. But it's like six months in the future. I was at another lecture that was actually like, I think it was like 75 bucks per person to get in. And it was about, and my friend's mom paid for it. And to get in, and uh, what it was about was postulates. So, okay, so scientists believe, or scientists, Scientologists, (laughs) huge distinction, believe that you can manipulate MAST, which uh, stands for matter, I don't remember what, MAST, sorry, matter, energy, space, and time. Well. If you, they, they believe that you can manipulate these things if you're a high enough level thing. And through a, post, a postulate, okay, also they have total doublespeak. They literally have a Scientologist dictionary that you have to buy that okay. defines many of these words. And uh, so a postulate to them, a postulate in actual English is a, it's a statement that you just believe to be true axiomatically to make a state, uh, to make an argument beyond that. But a okay. postulate for them is is a belief that is held by someone um, 
without, you know, evidence or whatever, but they believe it so strongly that it can actually have an influence on mast, hmm. mass energy, space, and time. Yeah. And that what real, and this is essentially what luck is and chance, is people's postulates and inner things expressing their, expressing themselves throughout the world and they're in conflict. Wow. And what this, what this guy up on stage, he was OT 14, so he, that was one past OT 13 where he learned about Xeno. So this motherfucker was still in after learning about Xeno. He's like, Xeno? All right. And you know what? I believe him because this is what he said on stage. He said, oh, this is when Hurricane Sandy was happening, I think. Yeah. He said that Hurricane Sandy was created by a particular I'm quoting him at this point yeah. by a particularly powerful Thetan off the coast of West Africa who uh, through the butterfly effect wished for a gust of wind and it slowly c- was created into Hurricane Sandy wow and he says he says that he was in New Jersey at the time he says through his own postulate uh, postulate as a powerful Thetan himself he made Hurricane Sandy go just around New Jersey <laughs> So he claimed he claimed to have diverted he claimed to have diverted a hurricane and rather than killing the people down there he killed the people (laughs) up there. Yeah. 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 First first of all in my head I was like that's not how hurricanes work. I learned how hurricanes worked in fourth grade. Yeah. But the lady in front of me who was also like OT 15 or something she was like in her 60s she literally she turned around and she went that's fucking stupid and I was like that is fucking stupid you're right yeah and like you said that out loud you said yes. that out loud to the other Scientologists she did she turned around and she was like that's so stupid yeah oh like, just talking stupid. to you yeah okay she, to like to like me and like the two people around me okay she said that to everyone okay okay but everyone was like laughing and clapping so it's like no but i don't think anyone knew if he was joking or if he was telling the truth i think he was doing both probably yeah i think he was probably joking a little bit but i think he believes that shit i don't think he, he was joking and he fucking believed that so he kept going <laughs> so that's when you decided like okay i can't do this anymore i'm i'm done and then there was there was one more event that really that was kind of it. I was recruited to do a uh, to host a table at the Boulder uh, Boulder Creek uh, like a little fair there in Boulder. Okay. And um and we were selling Dianetics books, and I didn't sell any fucking books because I'm not a salesman. I was 13, the fat little 13 year old. I had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> pictures of me when I was back then. I was this emo kid. I looked like such a goddamn... I was sitting here trying to sell you books about Scientology. Yeah, oh, you were cute. Come on, give yourself some credit. You are pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks. <laughs> but, um, and I was sitting there and I remember they like would come up to me. I was like, oh, hey, like blah, blah, blah. And I talked to them about it because I was really, you know, I, I, I'm a passionate person. And I was like, this is seriously has changed my life because at that point my life had gotten better for a multitude of other reasons. But, you know, I was learning valuable life lessons. And, um, and I was just like, talking, I was like, have you ever heard of Scientology? Like, this is what Scientology is really about. Like, get this book. This is a really good book. This is the foundation of it. And those people were like, fuck that shit. And they turn around and walk away. And the guy who was like probably mid-40s, who was like, he drove us there and like was, 
you know, leading us essentially. Yeah. He was like, yeah, no, don't talk about Scientology. This is Dianetics. This is different. Hmm. I was like, why wouldn't I want to talk about Scientology? Yeah. Like, this is this is it. This is what it's all about, right? And he was like, no, people, antisocial personalities, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, that rubbed me the wrong way, but... So he felt like talking about the religion would, like, just immediately turn hurt. people off. Yeah. 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 He he said we might. He, essentially, he he was like, well, we might as well just not talk about it or lie, and get them to buy Dianetics, and maybe they'll come in that way. Which huh. sure, that might work, whatever. But what really got me was my friend and I. We took a couple of pamphlets or whatever, and we went down. Um, uh, what is it? Pearl Street Mall, okay. in Boulder. And we were just you know handing them out. We were wearing our shirts that said like Dianetics and. You know, whatever the fuck it said on it. Yeah. And some guy walked up to me, like a probably a forty year old man walked up to me, grabbed me by the neck, and he was like, "You take that fucking shirt off right now." <laughs> you, and I was like, "Sir, sir, I'm I'm sorry. You have a good day." And he was like, "You have no idea what that means." With that church, he, he he said, "I used to be a Scientologist. I used to be just like you. They've destroyed my life. You have no idea what what they're doing." Oh my goodness. And I was just, I, I was fucking terrified. Yeah. I was like, literally 13. I was like, ah, you have a good day. And I just said, like, you have a good day. I was you know, nothing but nice. No, I said, you have a good day, sir. And I, and I jogged away. And then I had to meet up with my friend. I was like, dude, you have no fucking clue what just happened. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was just beat me to death. I was, I was terrified. He literally grabbed me by my shirt and, like, pulled it up. And yeah. I was like, you take that fucking shirt off. He said that. <laughs> and I was like... He was trying to warn. He was trying to warn the younger version of himself. Be like, dude, I'm I'm future you. You don't want to go down this road. <laughs> dude, he might have been future me actually. Cause he kind of just disappeared. He just yeah. No, yeah. He was he was wearing a trench coat and a little hat. And yeah, everything, and so. and you started walking away, and then you looked back one more time, and he disappeared. He was gone. No, I'm so, joking. No. <laughs> <laughs> just, just anyway, okay. experience just like didn't it didn't feel good and i i didn't sure as hell didn't want to do that ever again yeah but then it was it was shit like oh hurricanes are caused by things in africa and you know the sp should be wiped off the earth so at that point i went home and i started googling uh all about scientology i said fuck it and uh and i went and started looking up the shit yeah i read there's web there's websites that have the entire have photos of the OT13 document that are handwritten have Alan Hubbard's handwriting on it um, and it says exactly it says the inter, inter, I'm quoting the intergalactic overlord Xenu took all of the Thetans back on whatever planet oh the, 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 the galaxy had overpopulation that's what it was had too many people so they had to take all the people from all these other planets all the Thetans they put them on spaceships that look like Boeing 7, 757s or whatever they had yeah. back then. Flew them to Earth, which is called, like, Glorflak 9 or some bullshit. He has some stupid name for it. <laughs> put them inside of the volcanoes on Earth. Inside of the volcanoes on Earth. And then detonated hydrogen bombs on them. Oh, my goodness. And, uh... Unfortunately, they, some of them escaped. And they... And all their, their souls escaped, I mean... Um, so their, their physical forms were destroyed, but their souls escaped and they're floating around in the world. We can't see them. Um, we've been mm. blinded. 
and uh, they're attaching to our thetans. These are called body thetans. Yeah. That are all the ones that are floating around you that are taped, that are trying to pull you down. That's what causes the flu. That's what causes depression, anxiety, right. cancer, these body thetans. And only through Dianetics <laughs> and Scientology can you get rid of your body thetans and become an operating thetan, your true individual operating thetan. Dude, that's so... It's, it's, it's amazing to me. Like, what what kind of personality or mindset... Like, what kind of person does someone have to be? Like, in your case, it was just, like, social inclusion. Like, yeah, I'm just going to hang out with my friend and his family. Yeah. I was going through a really hard time in life as well, so... Yeah. It, it was needed structure. But for, for a lot of people, it's like, how, how do you read something like that? And then think oh yep everything looks good here like nothing to, nothing to worry about like and I, I just it's so crazy to me to wrap my brain around like how does somebody how does somebody go through that experience and then when they read that not immediately like have these yeah. massive red flags I know, that, I know exactly why it's yeah, because why that? you've been in the church for 20-30 years everyone you know and love your best friends yeah. are in the church and if you leave the church of Scientology you're, you're instantly labeled, this is called the disconnect policy. Right. Everything, the whole church is, is corporatized, by the way. Like, you're, 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 like, everything is in corporate terms and everything. Everyone is staffed there, this, that. Yeah. But, um, so you're afraid of, disconnect policy. you're afraid of losing, like, all of your friendships and all your family and everything like that and not being able to, you know. The, the disconnect policy explicitly says that you're supposed to disconnect completely excise anyone who leaves the church because if you leave the church you're an antisocial personality Whoa. and you're supposed to excise any anti-personality uh people wow period <laughs> if it's your mother don't talk to her ever again hmm. if it's your father your brother your best friend your wife your husband do not ever talk to them again yeah and i yeah i've been disconnected that's so crazy. So didn't you say you have someone that still uh, like sends you letters every once in a while or something? Like some like someone from the church keeps like tabs on you I, almost. I do. I swear to God, I don't. I really hope they're not keeping tabs on me. <laughs> but I do get a letter. I get a letter probably three times a year. Yeah. So they know where you live, though. In. How do they know where you live? I think it's forwarded, but still, I don't. Okay. Know. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I think it's forwarded, but yeah. Well, dang, bro. All right, I think that's a good. I think that's a good place to end. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for doing this. Thanks for giving me an yeah. hour and and forty minutes hours. of your time, <laughs> or what is that? Yeah. No. We start at eleven thirty. Yeah. So yep. So two hours. Two hours every time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. I'd love to be back on. Yeah, man. Congratulations, by the way, on um, being accepted into the master's program for political science at CSU. So we're proud of you there. Yeah. Thanks for being an <laughs> awesome president for our club. And, like, literally, uh, you facilitated so many friendships that I never would have had otherwise through the political science club. So thanks for being a part of that and being a great leader and um, anyway, thanks for doing this, man. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, of course. Talk to you later, man. Hey, do you want to give out your, like, are you active on social media or anything like that? Do you want to put that stuff out you there could, or advertise anything could, at all? <laughs> sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew underscore, underscore power. 
Okay. That's really the only social media I really use. Okay. And I don't even use that. So if you if you're so inclined to see my stupid <laughs> political opinions, go ahead and uh, I'll be there. Yeah. All right, all right, man. Good to talk to you. I'll see you later. Bye. If you liked that episode of Better Nate Than Never, feel free to leave me a good review on Apple Podcasts or you can follow me on social media. Due to political discrimination and free speech infringement by leftist big tech corporations, I will be most active on Parlor at Jonathan Wiggins II, which is my legal name. For guest recommendations, please email bntnpodcast at gmail.com. If you or someone you know would like to advertise your company or business on Better Nate Than Never, these questions can also be sent to bntnpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening, and remember, it's always Better Nate Than Never.